If you have your copy of Scripture, or you might find the copy of the Scripture in the back of the pew in front of you, find Proverbs, please. Proverbs 3. If you open the Bible, your Bible to the middle, it'll probably fall open to Psalms, and then the next book is the Proverbs. Proverbs 3. And before I uh, read that and launch off into the message that God is trustworthy, I want to say a word of thanks. <clears throat> a moment ago, of course, we remembered September 11, 2001, when we mourned the losses we suffered that day, when we celebrate the heroism of that day. We also give thanks that uh, for the last 20 years, we've not seen anything that came near uh, the scale of that kind of uh, tragedy, destruction, attack on our soil. And I know that some of you have been at least partially responsible for that. Some of you have fought terrorism in the military. Some of you have provided intelligence to our military and political leaders. Some of you have designed and maintained missile systems that have kept our allies and our own nation safe. And in those and other ways, I know there are some of you watching in the room who have been part of our protection, our safety for the last 20 years. So uh, we all offer to you a sincere thanks. Proverbs 3, we're going to read the first six verses. If you'll follow along, please. My son, very common phrase for those for writing in those days, we would add, and daughters. My son, my daughter, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and humankind. We come now to the heart of the text. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Let me read verse 5 again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This weekend, as we, as we commemorate September 11, 2001, we remember amid our, our own present difficulties, the struggle in Afghanistan, floods in central Tennessee, even the threat of terror that remains still, and of course, a pandemic. With so much sadness, with so many questions that have no human answers. It seems like it never has been more important to remember that God, in fact, is trustworthy. To remember that He who created us, that gave us life, that he, he who is in charge of the universe can be trusted. We continue this series, The Good and Beautiful God. Last week, of course, we talked about God being good. This week, we, we say God is trustworthy. And this is such, such simple material that, that God is good, is simple almost to the point of seeming childish. That God is trustworthy is an, a given, an assumption. It seems so simple. Why then would we spend so many weeks on so many very simple things? 
Because how we view God will shape how we live our lives. How we view God will shape how we live our lives. For example, how we, uh, how we view God will determine how we respond to people outside God's family. If I believe God is harsh and cruel, then, then I might feel like I have permission to, pe- to treat people harshly and cruelly, pe- whose, people whose worldviews are different from my own. If I think God is harsh, then I might be harsh. I might, I might say mean things on social media. I might treat people cruelly who have a different worldview if I think God is harsh. But if I believe God in fact loves the entire world, then I might just treat people lovingly, even those who, whose values are different from mine. How we view God determines how we respond when we stumble and when we fall. If I stumble and fall and I think God is angry, then I'm going to beat myself up and I'm going to wallow in my shame. But if I believe God is generous and gracious, then, then I might just embrace His grace and And I might live well, not because I'm afraid of God, but because He loves me so. How we view God will determine how we respond when when bad things happen and we have questions with no answers. If I think God acts capriciously, if I think He acts willy-nilly, if I think He acts erratically, then I have no hope. But if I believe God is trustworthy, If I believe He acts with intention, then that that gives me an anchor for my soul. How we view God shapes the way we live our very lives. And so this is not an overstatement. If we can, in these weeks, if we can internalize the good and beautiful nature of our Father, then we can navigate whatever life throws our way. Something Mark Twain once said reminds us of that or illustrates that. He talked about piloting riverboats on the Mississippi River. He said, the river looks different at night. It looks different from one night to the next, depending, he said, on whether it's a full moon or a small moon or whether there's a storm or clouds. He said, the shadows are different and the river looks different every night. And so he said, it's hard to navigate the river when it seems different every time you go down it. But he said that a, a longtime pilot of a riverboat on, a Mississippi, on the Mississippi River told him this. Listen, learn the river, learn it well. It never changes. If you learn it well, you can navigate it under any condition based on what you know, not on the condition you're in. If we can know the good and beautiful nature of God, then it won't matter what the circumstances are, won't matter the situations we're in. If we know that He is good, that He is beautiful, if we know that He is trustworthy, we can navigate whatever life throws our way. Uh, Corey Ten Boom said it like this. She said, if you're on a train and the train goes into the tunnel and, the, and everything gets real dark, do you jump off the train? No, she said you sit still and you trust the conductor to get you through to the, the other end. If we will know that God is trustworthy, that He does not act willy-nilly, that that He never acts without rhyme or reason, that He is intentional and that we can trust Him, then we can trust or we can navigate whatever comes our way. Let's look at our text again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. By the way, what does it mean that he will make your paths straight? I think some people believe if we just trust God, then everything will line up perfectly. And that, of course, is not true. What it means is you will never lose your way. Let that sink in. If you will trust God and submit to him, you will not lose your way. Years ago, I used to hike a lot. And we used to do day hikes in Virginia along sections of the Appalachian Trail. Now, the first time I went, I was surprised at how narrow the trail was. I thought when I got there, it would be as wide as I-65. But in some places, at least the places I walked, at least to a, an inexperienced hiker like me, it seemed so small or even obscure. The, the trail is marked by a painting on the, on the trees, but it's so easy to miss. One time we were hiking on a day hike when a tree had fallen across the trail and we, we had to get off and actually had to get out kind of in the thickets. And then when we, when we made our way, we finally made our way back, but it took us two or three minutes to find the actual trail. Just that short exit from the trail reminded me of how easy it would be to, to lose that trail and maybe get eaten by a bear or something. It was, but if you trust God, Everything won't line up perfectly, but you will never lose your way. In God we trust. Says that on our money. Says that on the coins and says it on our bills. In God we trust. That goes back to 1864, to the height of the Civil War, when apparently religious fervor was at its peak. Did you know that we had a U.S. president who tried to get that taken off our money? We did. In 1907, President Theodore Roosevelt tried to get, in God we trust, taken off of our coins and bills. But not for the reason you might suspect. It's not because he didn't believe that. It's because he believed it so deeply. Roosevelt said, let's not cheapen that phrase by putting it on money. He said, emblazon it on our national monuments. Inscribe it on our great halls so that it might inspire people. But don't cheapen in God we trust by putting it on money, he said. And when I read that, it made me wonder, do we ever cheapen that phrase? Do we ever use it cheaply or irresponsibly? Just trust God? What if I use it at the wrong time? What if I were to go to the funeral home and in the parlor of the funeral home, I were, what if I were to approach grieving parents who had just lost a child? If I were to say, just trust God, you'd say, Travis, that's, a, that's terrible timing. You shouldn't say that. Of course I shouldn't. That would be a, a cheap and irresponsible use of the phrase, just trust God. What if I were to live irresponsibly and say, well, I'm just going to trust God? What if when we finish here today, I were to go out to the edge of Governor's Drive on our parking lot. I were to put on some earphones to muffle the noise and uh, were to put on a blindfold so that I couldn't see. What if I were to spread my wing, my, my, not my wings, my arms wide? What if I were to spread my arms wide and declare, I trust God and then step out into the traffic of Governor's Drive? You'd say, well, that's an irresponsible act. Well, personally, 
personally. I got my COVID vaccine shot. And I wear my mask more than I did a few weeks ago. Because I trust God, but I also want to live responsibly. And while I'm at it, we lost two men this week. Two relatively young men, members of our church, to COVID-19. So trust God, but live responsibly. So we can use it poorly. We can cheapen it. We can use it irresponsibly. Poor timing. We could, we could live recklessly and say, well, I'm just going to trust God. What about, what about that phrase, trusting God for a miracle? Now, I, I don't hear it around here very much, but there are some circles of the Christian family where people will say, I'm, I'm just trusting God for a miracle, which seems to assume that if we say those words, that God is all but obligated to perform something supernatural. Please hear me. I believe God does miracles. I believe he does things that are supernatural. But I think God is way too wise to trust somebody like me with the timing of those things. So I can't just say something clever and expect God to work a miracle. So I do think there's some people who use that phrase recklessly or irresponsibly. I'm just going to trust God for miracle. So we can cheapen it, we can use it irresponsibly, but it is true that the creator of the universe, that he who gave you breath, that he who sustains your life, that he who is in charge of all that is, is in fact trustworthy. And I believe with all my heart, you can trust him with your heart because you can trust his heart. In February of 1991, 30 years ago, Carrie and I, my wife and I, went to a Christian bookstore to buy some Christian music on cassettes. Now, before we had uh, Spotify and before we had iTunes and before we had um, Walkmans, after we had eight tracks, we had cassettes. So Carrie and I went and bought some cassettes of Christian music. We were about to leave for Africa. We were in orientation at, um, in Richmond, Virginia, and we went into Richmond to the Baptist bookstore and bought some cassettes. We were getting ready to pack up three kids, five, three, and 10 months, and, and fly to Nigeria. And uh, we found one by Babby Mason. Somebody might remember Babby Mason. And this song said, um, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. When you don't understand, when you can't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. And I remember where we were on Broad Street in Richmond when I said to Carrie, we were listening to that. I said, I believe one day that's going to be really important for us, that song, and I was right. We eventually came to love Nigeria, but those first 10 months were, were hard. We were living isolated. Electricity was rare. We didn't have good water supply and our daughter got malaria and the language was hard and I didn't like the food and culture shock nearly got me. And I remember listening 
God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind when you don't understand, when you can't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. But then Nigeria became home for us. Our kids thought they were Nigerians. One time we were getting ready to come home on furlough and our, our son Grant said, Daddy, have you ever been to the United States? He thought we, he thought we always had lived there. We loved Nigeria. And then my father had a, a massive stroke, and I am my mother's only child, and so we couldn't remain in Nigeria. And now we were distressed for another reason. Now we couldn't be there. Now our only identity was as missionaries. We got, we got engaged in Venezuela when I was a two-year missionary, and we came back and went to seminary to be missionaries. Is all we wanted to do. And now we had an identity crisis. Who would we be if we were not missionaries? And when you don't understand, God is too wise to be mistaken, and we'd, we'd hear again. Song became important again. God is too wise to be mistaken, too good to be unkind. When you don't understand, when you can't see his hand, plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. This is not just theory for me. When I come to this chapter, God is trustworthy. It's not just another topic for a sermon. I believe with all my heart. You can trust God with your heart because I believe you can trust His heart. Carol Johnson had graduated six months earlier from the University of Richmond. She was teaching in a public school in Richmond, and it was December the 21st. School was out, had let out for the holidays, and Carol got on the road to drive to Greenville, South Carolina, where she would spend the Christmas holidays with her family. Her father, L.D. Johnson, had uh, recently become pastor of the First Baptist Church of Greenville. It was Friday, December the 21st. The year was 1962. L.D. Johnson get, went to his office to put the final touches on his Christmas sermon. And that's where he was when he got a call from a mortuary near Oxford, North Carolina. Carol's car had met a heavy truck in the middle of an icy road, and his daughter was pronounced dead at the scene. And I cannot imagine what that phone call is like. Sixteen years later, L.D. Johnson wrote about her death in the book, The Morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, After Death. And L.D. Johnson wrote this in the last paragraph on the last page of a book about his daughter's death. He wrote, God can be trusted. In the last analysis, Christians have no more persuasive word. God can be trusted. That is not enough to resolve all the mysteries or answer all the questions, but it is enough to build our lives around. God is trustworthy. The last sentence in L.D. Johnson's book about his daughter's death reads, God is trustworthy. Let his words sink in. God can be trusted. 
In the last analysis, Christians have no more persuasive word. God can be trusted. That is not enough to resolve all the mysteries or answer all the questions, but it is enough to build our lives around. God, he concluded, is trustworthy. What would it mean for you to trust God? For some, it might even mean a, a vocational change. Somebody might be thinking that God has been prompting you maybe to do something different in, in your vocation. Maybe that, that would be risky. You might have to go back to school. It might mean a, a cut in pay. Would you trust God enough to do that if you believe that was what God's up to in your life? Would you? Someone might, for some it might mean trusting to God a circumstance that is out of your hands. Maybe it's a, a frightening medical diagnosis. Maybe it's a son or daughter whose life is not what you know and even they know it should be. And, and you have no more control. Maybe trusting God for, for you would be, God, I trust you to do the right thing in his or her life. For some, it might mean trusting your life to Jesus. You've been on the bubble. You've been on the verge. You've been considering this. And maybe you would trust God enough to give your life all that you have and all that you are to his son, Jesus. I believe with all my heart that you can trust your heart to God because you can trust his heart. So I invite you to, to trust him. Trust him to the point that you submit to him, as Proverbs 3 says. After all, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you can't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, you can absolutely trust your father's heart. And if you will, it will be well with your soul. 580, 573 is our hymn. 573.